Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The only podcast where I watch Doctor Who and then I tell you all about the episode. Um, so hey Kyle, how's it going? Pretty good, Benny. It is good to actually have photons of light bounce off your actual person and hit my eye. By which he means we are sitting next to each other in real space, in the real world. Um, if, if that intro seemed to be moving at a faster pace with more natural communication, <laughs> it's because it hasn't been edited to, like, you know, splice together two different audio streams that are slightly delayed due to limitations of recording. Um, nope, we're sitting next to each other. We're recording on the same microphone. Indeed. This is the first time that we've done this since basically like 21 months or so, I think. Yep. At this point, we have recorded far more episodes remotely than we have live. Yeah, yeah, this feels real weird. This feels real <laughs> weird. Which reminds me, I'm going to leave that in, because uh, the, the thing I've been thinking about, knowing that this recording session was coming up, was that normally, um, if I make noise on my mic while Kyle's talking, it's not a big deal. Like, I can cough or scoot my chair or whatever um and just remove that part of the audio because it's a separate audio track i can't do that now so <laughs> i'm feeling a little <laughs> self-conscious of just the little minute noises i make um, um i'm probably gonna be sitting here very still or at least <laughs> trying to and probably failing i was thinking about the same thing actually and like yeah often when we record like I'll be taking a sip of my water while you're speaking and thunking my my water bottle down on the desk and making sloshing noises and whatnot. And that'll just get, like, you listeners don't have to hear any of that. But Normally there's no sloshing noises, but this episode may be end-to-end slosh. <laughs> We're just going to be sloshing the whole time. <laughs> Hope you're ready for a wet and wild doctor's watcher. <laughs> Uh, I don't really have anything else, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, this is this is some some good energy for for getting into it. I think yeah, it's something. All right. <laughs> So we have here the 19th episode of season two, Crater of Needles. And do you recall our Cliff Dangler? No, I don't. It's been a while <laughs> since we recorded. Um, I think somebody fell into a hole, but that may have been a previous Cliff Dangler that I'm re- remembering. Um, um, you can tell me what it actually was. I, I'm looking at my notes because I also don't really remember. And <laughs> yeah, I think actually, yeah, it looks like Vreston and Ian fell into a hole. <laughs> they were trying to get away from some Zarbi and... The, they hid in a cleft in the rock, but then, like, the ground gave way beneath them. Cool. That's a good cliff dangler, even though I couldn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so, we start just following up straight from that. Ian and Vreston have fallen down this cleft in the rocks. They're, like, quite a ways underground now. They fell pretty far. 
And of course, they find themselves in a nice underground cave area. And as Ian wonders where they are, they are suddenly surrounded by these giant grub-like things. Yes, new species. <laughs> There's, yeah, these giant grub-like things that are pointing crystals at them menacingly. Yes! yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, one of the advantages of us being in the same space is that Kyle could not witness my joy <laughs> in real time. I mean, normally, you know, we have our webcams on and he can see my joy, but, but now, you know, I, I can... <laughs> be here in the same space and Kyle can can enjoy how much I'm enjoying these these grubs pointing crystals. Yes. <laughs> so so we get the grubs pointing crystals. They are indeed fantastic. We we don't get to see them for very long though because we cut over to Barbara and Hrostar who are in the crater of needles. Uh, they were previously like captured by the Zarbi and taken to the Crater of Needles. Nice. So I think this is our first view of the Crater of Needles. Yes, we've heard about it a lot. Uh-huh. Everyone seems interested in the Crater of Needles. It is this place that is full of like these tall, pointy rock crystal formations. Well, all right. That, that tracks. The, the needles of the, uh -huh. of the name. Uh, there are also lots of pools of acid just like scattered about on the ground. Oh, good. And the two of them, Barbara and Harastar, as well as several other Monoptera are imprisoned here in the crater. I'm just I'm just picturing like chest high walls everywhere because clearly <laughs> there's going to be a showdown here. Uh-huh. So yeah, they all... All of the prisoners are basically gathering vegetation off the ground and dumping it into the acid pools. Cool, cool. I mean, you know, that's one way to get rid of your vegetation. <laughs> you don't have to wait for the, uh, the, the truck to come and yeah. pick up your compost. Yeah, our compost bin's actually pretty full at the moment, but it's going to get <laughs> emptied tomorrow morning and then filled up again because we're having a backyard party on Saturday. Nice. As long as the weather is good. Excellent. It is the raw material for the castle known where the Zarpi live. Fed into these pools, it is drawn to the center through underground streams. And as we pour it in, the castle grows and reaches out across vortex. Alright, so we got, we got several things going on here. We got the carcinome, uh -huh. which we knew, um, like the, the Zarbi live in this kind of constructed, organic looking world, right? Right. Um, which is very cool, very into it. Underground streams, I am always into that. And that the, not only are they getting rid of this vegetation, but they're turning it into like uh, some sort of material um, resource for, for the construction of the carcinome. Right. Very cool. Yeah, I thought that, yeah, actually the technology here is actually quite neat. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, you know, sucks that they're using essentially slave labor of prisoners yes. to do it, but, yes. but, you know, the Zarbi are controlled by an evil force, so... Yeah, and I think I think we've established that we're pretty anti the enslavement <laughs> of people, uh -huh. um, and we I think we're sticking to that. <laughs> so the animus is at the center of the carcinome, 
where all this material is being drawn to through these underground streams of acid. The animus is at the center of the carcinome. I just, I love that phrase. <laughs> that sounds rad. I want to, like, if I saw that on a module, like at the RPG store, I would pick that off the shelf. <laughs> it could be, like, one of the characters shouting it or something. Yes. Yeah. Apparently, none of the Monoptera have ever actually seen the animus and lived. Nice. <laughs> it's always a, a good thing. Hell yes. I mean, not for, not if you're a Monoptera, but right. for us as the audience, <laughs> that's rad. <laughs> uh-huh. So Hrostar explains to Barbara that the Zarbi, like each individual Zarbi, don't really have individual thoughts. Cool. Like, cool. they're basically sentries that are being controlled. Cool. Drones. Mm-hmm. Borg style. Yeah, totally. Apparently, the group of Monoptera that Hrostar came with was the advance force that was coming ahead of the spearhead that is basically going to liberate the Zarbi from the Animus and retake the planet for the Monoptera. Cool. I mean, it's kind of nice that they're liberating the Zarbi as opposed to just, you know, like, offing them all or right. something. Because, yeah, if in the backstory, like, the Zarbi were here before, like, the Monoptera and the Zarbi lived together until the Animus came and, like, took over the Zarbi, basically. That, that's cool of them. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I hope it works. Uh, of course, the group that Hrostar came with, you know, got their asses kicked pretty quickly and easily when they arrived. <laughs> yeah. So Hrostar is worried about the spearhead, especially since they were unable to actually get a message through to the spearhead to warn them. Uh-huh. But there's still hope. Frostar says that they intend to defeat the Animus with... A new invention of our scientists. It has not been tested, but we have placed our faith in the isoptope. The isoptope. <laughs> not a typo. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so... One thing I wanted to mention, since you're doing um, Monoptera lines, is that when we were recording previously, I said, um, whoa, their voices are really cool, because Kyle, like, you know, performs the voices <laughs> of the characters when he reads their lines and then he replaces them with the actual voice clip from the show for the episode. Um, but it actually kind of turns out that Kyle's voice, the one that he does for the Monoptera, honestly sounds a little cooler than the voice that they actually have. So you may remember my enthusiasm last time. I was like, wow, these Monoptera sound really neat. And it's like, well, <laughs> I guess. Well, I'm glad you think so, because I'm, I'm not terribly confident in, in my voice acting abilities. Well, I mean, the fact that he didn't reproduce it exactly 100% faithfully actually ended up improving it, so <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> I guess while we're on the topic, I should also mention that now that I've done the QA listens for some of the previous episodes, I too have heard the annoying beeping. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's another thing we talked about. It's <laughs> like, you know, you guys are lucky or unlucky that you get to hear what it sounds like when I'm unlucky or lucky that I don't, etc. And then I was like, well, when I listen to the actual episode, then I'll get to hear it too. And yep, <laughs> it is annoying. Uh -huh. I would, I would estimate that probably a good 10 to 15 minutes of each episode involves beeping. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so after following up on Barbara and Harastar, we skip over to Vicky and the doctor. Cool. They are still in the control room in the Zarbi head queue, 
and Vicky wants to use the spider that she found in the TARDIS earlier as a weapon. Yes. Remember, they had this spider that, like, uh, encased in, you know, a display case or whatever that the Zarbi were afraid of. Still in her inventory. So she wants to use it as a weapon so they can escape, but the doctor says that it'll be of more use later when Ian and Barbara are there as well. Ah, that's true. Yeah, let's regather the party and then then use our inventory item. Yes. Some Zarbi come over and they put the control collar thingy onto Vicky's shoulders. And so she, you know, stands there inert while the Zarbi kind of shove the doctor over under the communication tube, which lowers down around his head. (laughs) I love the communication tube. (laughs) And the voice that he was talking to earlier starts threatening to kill Vicky if the doctor doesn't give up some information. So he says that the Monoptera invasion force is gathering at the planet Pictos, but he says that he doesn't know where the invasion force will land on Vortis yet. Cool. He Planet Pictos, yeah, uh-huh. into it, into it. He tells this voice uh, that he could he could figure out where they're landing, but he needs more time. And he's not going to do it unless they release Vicky. Excellent. So one of the Zarbi heads over to Vicky and takes the gold control collar thingy off of her. <laughs> yeah, all right. Cool. And, you know, she's okay. And the doctor gets to work on his device. I forget what the device was that he and Vicky rolled out of the ship earlier. Okay. Like several episodes ago. It had I think. a cool name. Yeah. But he goes over to work on the device after he makes sure that she's okay. And about this point, an alarm starts going off. And in the resulting chaos, the doctor sends Vicky back into the TARDIS to grab his walking stick for him. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. And how obnoxious is this alarm, given that this has been a serial of obnoxious Uh noises? I would say it was... Probably about equally as obnoxious as the beeping. Not really any more obnoxious, but not really any less either. It's just kind of like <laughs> a, right. more of a whooping than a beeping, but a pretty similar type of, <laughs> of noise. Cool. We are shown the Crater of Needles again, and this alarm is sounding there too. And all of the Monoptera prisoners and Barbara are being herded by the Zarbi into like this big crystal cage. Cool. Crystal cage into it. There's like an alarm going off. So like we need to lock down the prisoners sort of thing. Crystal cage sounds like a magic card, you know, it does. Yeah. It would be an artifact and you know, you can tap to cause an opposing creature to tap. And during your untap step, you can choose not to untap it. And then the other creature remains tapped. Uh huh. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I I think that would be like exactly the mechanics of it. (laughs) (laughs) Just came to me. (laughs) Ian and Freston, meanwhile, have been taken prisoner by these grub-like creatures from earlier. Excellent. I love these guys. Yeah. They, the grub creatures, force Ian and Freston to dunk their hands into, like, this bucket of liquid. (laughs) And then they laugh. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, after they take their hands out, I guess it 
it basically like solidifies around their hands and they're like essentially handcuffed. Oh, cool. I like this. Yeah, it was pretty neat too. That's, that's cool. Like liquid handcuff technology. Uh huh. I will say that it was cooler in the script than in the actual execution, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, well, but it is glad, a cool idea. Aren't you glad you listened to this in podcast form so that in the theater of your mind, you have an unlimited special effects budget <laughs> and you can imagine this looking as cool as you want. Uh-huh. So one of these grub creatures, whose name we learn is Hetra. Nice. Hetra explains that bad things come from above. The liquid death creeping destroyer of we Optera. Alright, so um just so you guys know, Kyle is once again doing the voice, <laughs> and I now I strongly suspect that the voice he's doing is superior to the one in the show. So um Sorry, you guys. <laughs> it's been a while since I actually watched this episode, so I don't know how accurate that voice is. But <laughs> uh, so, so these guys are the Optera, is that right? Yeah, the Optera. And then we've got the Monoptera, which are the uh, the moth people. Right. So are we kind of sussing out that the grubs are the early life stages of what the Monoptera are? It, that does seem to be a possibility. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Optera are going to look into things and like start, you know, running a background check on Ian and Vreston. Yes. And if they think that Ian and Vreston came from above, they'll kill him. All right. Harsh but fair. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kyle here. I hope you're enjoying the episode. You can let us know what you think of it by emailing us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or by tweeting us at doctorwatcher. You can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts and tell a friend. Anyway, back to the episode. We cut back to the cage of all the Monoptera at the Crater of Needles, and inside the crystal cage, a few of them are discussing what's going on and, like, why this alarm might be sounding, and they think that maybe the spearhead has arrived. Okay, cool. Of course, Hrostar continues to be worried and wonders, like, how the Zarbi or the Animus could know about the spearhead arriving. Hrostar asks Barbara if her scientist friend could be helping the Animus and the Zarbi. A valid question. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she doesn't think so. Uh, okay. Hrostar's, <laughs> you know, super worried about the invasion force. The invasion force's weapons and defenses are going to be useless against the Zarbi, because they're basically the same weapons and defenses that the advance force had. Mm-hmm. They were useless. Mm-hmm. Barbara says that they need to get to the location where the spearhead will land so they can intercept them and warn them. Yes, that's a good idea. But, of course, they can't escape from this crystal cage that they're in because there is a larva gun guarding the exit. Excellent. The larva guns, remember, are like 
the the woodlice, the more sort of like woodlice creatures uh-huh, uh-huh. that like shoot sparks and smoke at you and then yep. you fall down. I may not have remembered the uh, the cliff dangler perfectly, <laughs> but I'll remember the uh, the larva guns forever. <laughs> One of the other Monoptera apparently comes up with an idea, which is to sneak out the back of the crystal cage where one of the crystals is loose. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) We cut back to the control room, and Vicky now is using the spider. She's sort of, like, herding the Zarbi over to where she wants them. Huh. I thought they were going to wait with that. Yeah, there's not really any discussion of why they decided not to wait. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's hurting the Zarbi over and the doctor uses his walking stick that Viggy had gotten for him to like drag the gold control collar across the floor without actually touching it himself. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. He starts pondering like what he should do with it. And he, he tells Vicky the story about how Ian's gold pen flew out of his hands just when he was about to give it to the doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of disappeared, right? Yeah, it, it disappeared, but apparently we're retconning that now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we, we retconned the TARDIS disappearing sound right. earlier, so yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to Barbara and the Monoptera, who are still in the crystal cage. Of course, the one Monoptera got out the back and is off doing something, I guess. <laughs> The Zarbi in the area kind of wanders away from the larva gun. So Barbara and the Monoptera use this as an opportunity to attack. Okay, cool. I mean, we all know that guards are like obligated to wander in a set pattern and periodically turn their backs on various like parts of the room. So I don't really blame the Zarbi for this one. Yeah, it's, it's like in the... Inter- international standards of guarding. Yes. He's union. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so they start attacking. First, one of the Monoptera throws a rock to distract the Zarbi. Cool. Also a classic move with yes. guards. <laughs> Works every time. And as the Zarbi is distracted, they all just descend on it. A couple of the Monoptera like, subdue the Zarbi, while Barbara and another one of, of the Monoptera like, grab onto the larva gun, like, one on each side of it, and, like, I guess prevent it from doing anything. I'm not quite sure why holding onto <laughs> it stops it from firing, but they grab onto it, they kind of, like, lift it up and down and shake it and stuff, <laughs> which I think is actually supposed to be that it is struggling. Oh. <laughs> but it's clearly just, like, the actors lifting it up and down and shaking it and stuff. Yes, yes, I love it. And then Hrostar comes over, and takes it from them and basically like smashes its underside like up against the cave wall oh dang like you know like pushes its 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 belly side up against the cave wall and then like drags it down the wall like presumably killing it yikes rostar i don't know if that was necessary (laughs) yeah i mean i guess it's part of the escape but it seems like it probably could have just been subdued Maybe just turn it upside down and point it away from you. <laughs> uh-huh. Watch its little feet, like, yeah. wiggle in the air. Yeah. What's it going to do? As they all rush out of the cage, now that they're no longer under guard, we cut back to the doctor. He has 
attached the gold control collar to his astral map. Apparently that's what he rolled out earlier. I wrote it down later in my notes. Astral map. Very cool. Love that technology. So yeah, he attaches this gold control collar to the astral map and explains to Vicky that the TARDIS force will oppose it and we'll see which force is stronger. Yes. So he flips a few switches and presses a few buttons on the astral map, and then the astral map has a small explosion and starts putting out smoke. Uh-oh, I think we might have just found that which force is stronger. <laughs> well, the doctor reaches down and touches the control collar, and he seems unaffected. Okay, okay, phew. The Zarbi come over, and they hustle him back to the communication tube, and he tells the voice that there's been a delay, that a fuse blew on his equipment. Oh, interesting. He pulls, like, some small piece of electronics out of his pocket, and is, like, telling the voice that this is, you know, this is what malfunctioned, but it's actually, like, a radio receiver or something, because... As he's telling the voice that, like, this is the fuse that blew or whatever, a message from the Monoptera Spearhead starts playing from it. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> and, like, this message is detailing exactly where they plan to land. Be jettison craft at altitude 5 above crater of needles. Individual descent to Seo Plateau, north of the crater. <laughs> the doctor's like, man, I knew I should have had a you know an easily accessible hang-up button on this thing. <laughs> so the voice that the doctor's talking to is, of course, like, pissed off <laughs> that, like, the doctor had this information and didn't say. And the voice tells him that he'll be dealt with after the invasion is repelled. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. Because back in the day, those of us who grew up with the old, like, analog telephones... If you're on a call, you could just hang it up. Uh -huh. These days, if you're on your fancy cell phone, it's like, oh, no, I closed the phone app, and now I'm in a different app, and I have to close that app to get the thing I'm trying to hang right. up on this guy. But, I'm, you know, it's loading. and You, like, switched over to Twitter <laughs> while you're talking to the, the salesperson or whatnot. And the whole yeah. time, that salesperson is telling you their invasion plan. <laughs> <laughs> so the Zerbi shoved the doctor, like, back over near Vicky who we see is now wearing a gold control collar again, and uh -oh. just like standing inert. And they put another gold control collar onto the doctor, so he also goes inert. We cut back to Barbara and Hrastar and the other Monoptera, who are at the bottom of a cliff, and apparently the plateau that the spearhead will arrive at is like at the top of the cliff just above them. Cool. They seem to have arrived before the spearhead, which is good. Handy for the costume department to not have to make all those <laughs> costumes yet. Uh-huh. Or, fingers crossed, on their end, probably ever. <laughs> <laughs> as, you know, as they're waiting for the spearhead, they start to hear the Zarbi beeps. Mm. And Hrastar says that the doctor must have betrayed them, and the plateau is surrounded by Zarbi. Mm-hmm. The slug-like Optera, who, as we kind of hinted at earlier, are really maybe more caterpillar-like than slug-like. Grub-like. Grub-like. They've decided that they should go ahead and kill Ian and Vreston. 
Well, you know, that seems to make sense. Yeah. Every creature who invades our domain comes only to prey on us. You are guilty. We are delicious. Everyone who comes here wants to eat us. <laughs> We're tired of being so dang tasty. <laughs> Ian and Vrestin start telling the Optera that they have common ancestors with the Monoptera. So they've put it together too. Okay. I mean, you know, um, you don't have to be a linguistic genius to follow <laughs> the evolutionary pattern of that word. Yeah, that's fair. So they're, you know, they're telling this to the Optera. Basically, they say that when the Animus took over the Zarbi, of course, some Monoptera left the planet, the ones that were strong enough or whatever, mm-hmm. like flew up to the moon or wh- whatever. But it seems that the ones that remained became the Optera, who now live underground and like can't stand the light of the surface. Very cool. They basically think of the Monoptera as gods, but Vreston says, like, they're not gods, they're kinsmen. Like, the Optera and the Monoptera are kinsmen. I like that. I like that humility. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, Vreston says that the Monoptera are here to save the planet from the Animus, basically. Cool. So, Vreston spreads their wings, and the Optera all bow down. Huh. So, I'm not quite sure how that tracks with we're not gods, we're kinsmen. <laughs> but, <laughs> but okay. We're not gods, we're kinsmen, but we're pretty cool kinsmen. Yeah, you can, you can still bow to us if you want. Just don't grovel. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the cliff that's under the plateau, and Barbara and Hrastar hear a monoptera land on the cliff above them. And it's me, the spearhead. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, Rostar <laughs> asks if it's the spearhead. Spearhead? Code word? Electron. Nice. That's a science word. This is a science show. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Rostar tells the spearhead leader to GTFO, or they'll all be massacred. But the spearhead leader says that it's too late. They're already committed to the attack, basically. And, like, more and more Monoptera are landing on the plateau. They start fighting with all the Zarbi that are there. Cool. It's a little bit unclear, like, how the fight is going. It's kind of hard to follow. There's lots of beeping. There's lots of, like, weird Monoptera synth noises. (laughs) <laughs> the larva gun is charging up and firing. Uh, there are Monoptera grappling with the Zarbi. The DM is like just bookmarking the grapple rules page <laughs> in in the rule book. It's like this a huge melee. I'm picturing like a Lord of the Rings style epic fight with just like hundreds of creatures like fighting all at once and the camera uh-huh. is swooping around between them and we can see like individual fights with cool moves going off and then like the grand shot of like everyone all fighting at the same time. Totally. There's, you know, little like pops of explosions as we're in like the long shot yes looking down on the plateau yes helps to establish the scale right there's like you know hundreds of extras oh yeah the costume department like 
they were just saving up like a whole <laughs> season and a half, saving their budget for this scene. Just, yeah, just take our word for it. It was incredible. <laughs> we lie to you. <laughs> the spearhead leader calls for retreat. Okay. It's not going well. All right. But it's very soon the spearhead leader realizes that they're all surrounded by Zarbi as the words next episode invasion appear on screen. Yes. Uh, well, a little generic as a title, but it is in fact an invasion and that's what we're here for. So it's true. Very cool. Yeah. It's, it, it feels like a generic title, but like given the story, I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. Like there's definitely an invasion happening yes. that they've, that they've been like talking about and leading up to for several episodes. True. Well, cool. Indeed. This was, this was an interesting one. I, I continue to be a fan of the uh, ridiculous cheesiness of this serial, um, the classic kind of children's sci-fi elements. Um, the name of absolutely everything is fantastic. Yeah, totally. The planets, the species. Um, love love the, the technology, um, especially the optic technology of like the crystal... Are the crystals guns, do you think? Or, like, spears? Or... I felt like they were probably guns. Like some sort of ray gun? Yeah, something like that. Love me a good ray gun. You know, there's a lot of crystal-based technology here. Yeah. The, like, the communication device that the Monoptera had were, was just, like, some crystals stuck together <laughs> that they could, like, rotate back and forth. Very cool. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing that they were guns. Cool. Yep, love love the liquid handcuffs, um, the crystal cage. Yeah, um, the pretty much everything. <laughs> well, I guess you already mentioned names, but yeah, the isoptope. Yes, the isoptope. Which I realized as I was taking my notes earlier that I think in a previous episode they had said the doctor had said that the planet Vortis was in the galaxy isop. Oh yeah. Hey, you're right. I forgot about that, but yes. So, still unclear what the isoptope is, but... That's okay. But they're naming it. It's like, you know, if we had the, the Milky Way tope. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe we will someday. Uh-huh. Maybe we, we already do and we just don't know it yet. Get our best scientists developing and inventing the Milky Way tope. Yep. Cool. Love it. Did you have uh, any other notes for this episode? Uh, nope. That was all I had on this one. All right. Well, I don't have a whole lot else to add other than enthusiasm. <laughs> um, our our ships continue to to sail. Right, Mothbro. Is that what we called it? I, I can't. I, I mean, I feel like every time we bring this up, it's like, is it Mothbro? Yeah. Is it Barmoth? It doesn't matter. Then we could even both. change it to like Barstar or Frostbra. I actually really like Barstar. Yeah, I kind of like Barstar too. That Dang might it. that might be the ship. Dang it! Last time I was like, gotta stick to Mothbra or Barmoth or whatever it was, but no, I yeah, I, I like Barstar. It's a good ship too. Yeah, who who wouldn't want to ship their fave with a moth? I mean, honestly. <laughs> so then, if we have Barstar, then I guess 
we have Vrestian. 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 Yeah. Right, yeah. It's right there. Yeah. The other. Yeah, you don't even have to think about that. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I mean, you know, it's a good ship if if it just slides. The names just slide together so easily. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, I think we would have come up with Barstar earlier if we had known Hrostar's name, but maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Well, um, on to the next one. Let's do it. Bye. Bye. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit 23 for the awesome theme song he made for us. You can hear it and the rest of his music at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. You can reach him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. I would like to thank Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and I would like to thank all you listeners for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. You can reach us by email at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com and on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed the program, please tell all your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts. Thanks for listening! It's been a while since I actually watched this episode, so I don't know how accurate that voice is. Liquid Death Creeping Destroyer of We Optera.